Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. As we um, begin a new series, I'm just telling you that this is a strange time in the United States of America. It seems as if as we look toward this November election, there's a lot of ambiguity and there's a lot of concern because we don't know who's going to win who's going to lose, and when we're going to find out. <laughs> and because of the confusion of not being able to predetermine the winner or the loser, there's anxiety, there's fear, frustration. We clearly know the Dodgers are winners. We clearly know that LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers are winners. Therefore, the Rays are losers and the Heat has lost. It is really fun to be in a world where you can clearly articulate this guy won, this guy lost. We're trying to determine if abortion is going to be the issue or the topic that wins the focus, or is social justice going to be the topic that wins? Is it going to be my friends on the left or is it going to be my friends on the right? And I can't confuse, I'm so confused that I don't know if the left win, if we could be happy, if the right win, if we could be happy, we just lost. And it feels more like you're set up to be a loser than a winner. And 75% of people feel like they don't have any hope that after the election, their life will be any better. In fact, they're anticipating embracing for it to be worse. Simply because we've lost objectivity, we've lost focus, we've lost the ability to know when did we win and when did we lose? Today, I, I feel like God is going to perhaps allow me to express some clues to help in that sense of anxiety and worry about the ambiguity of the future. Perhaps we're viewing it all wrong, all together. Now we're gonna be looking at Philippians 2, and I want us to read the first four verses together with some power from clarity and some diction. And I believe that even you at home, I want you to read. I know you're at home. Don't be silent on me. Now, Jesus wants you to read the Bible because when you read the Bible, light and life comes. And when we read it, 
I believe we're going to start seasoning our spirits toward perhaps moving from this position of loss and ambiguity and anxiety about society to perhaps something greater. On three, I'm going to say ready, and then I'll say read. Ready, one, two, three, read. Now, as good Bible students, you probably heard so many little things there that you wanted to personally unpack. And, you know, our nature to interpret life through only our lens made us probably even begin to shape it in a direction um, favorable to our narrative or favorable to what we want to do or what we want said. Let me give you some seasoning or some context to what's going on in Philippians too. You know, the guy that's writing this is, is really in a difficult position in society. The world that it is currently living in is somehow rejecting the gift and the ministry he has to offer because he finds himself in prison writing uh, to the Philippian church who is a Roman colony. He, him, he finds himself a ward of the, the state or, or, or perhaps the Caesar himself since he appealed to Caesar. And, and he's in there because he's been doing the work of advancing the kingdom. And as he's writing from prison, he's noticed that, that people have abandoned their citizenship that is made available to, the, to them in Christ. And they've taken on some external narratives that really compromise their position with Christ. In other words, there becomes fighting without in terms of who Christians are, who they should be, and what they should be thinking about. And then there's fighting and division within the church. Does that sound familiar? Like the world is kind of fighting. Everybody's fighting each other. And even in the church, there's fighting. I know that you would be none of the believers that would bring division into the church by, by talking about your political left or right side or talking about all of the things that matter to you socially when we're here to do something spiritual. I know you wouldn't do that. It's not you. It's not you being more concerned about your bumper sticker and your post and, and all of the things that you have to say and the candidate that you want to really back up and, and put forth as the savior of our society. I know that's not you not you. Paul is dealing with people who are in the church who are actually embracing so many secular views that their view in Christ is being lost. How do you know this? Because verse 17 of chapter of Philippians 1 says, hey, I want you to walk worthy or I want you to walk as citizens of the kingdom. You're forgetting your purpose. You're forgetting what brings you life. You're forgetting what the solution is. You're only leaning on the things of earth and it's confusing the mission. And now you're all divided on the inside. Nobody is, is unified and I'm constantly, the theme throughout Philippians is to try to bring everybody together because they're breaking up. And he says, in Christ, 
Do you know what? If you want to make me feel good when I'm in jail, it's the worst thing in the world. If you're in jail and you can't help your family, is to hear that something's going wrong with your family. He says, look, I'm locked up. If you want me to feel happy, if you want me to have some real fellowship, if you want joy and comfort to come to me as a father in the faith, then I am begging you to act like this. He said, you can't be full of selfish ambition and conceit. What is selfish ambition? Ambition is not wrong. I'm striving to be great in everything that I do. That's an ambition is not wrong. But what is, the, what is the motive behind your ambition? Are you striving to be great so that you can, you can dominate, so you can control people, so you can control? Why do you want to win? Is it for Christ? Is it for the gospel? Is it for your neighbor? Or is it just for you? Do you care if Christ Jesus is revealed or do you care that somebody know how you feel? They got to know how I feel. And it's every one of your communications all about people understanding something about you and, and understanding almost nothing about your God. Do you think as we come to, to an earthly election where everyone has their hopes put on an earthly savior that the main thing we need to do is join that narrative instead of the higher one? I believe this started out with saying these things, these comforts, you have them in Christ. This love, you have it in Christ. This joy, you have it in Christ. This consolation, you have it in Christ. Perhaps if you have anxiety and fear and worry on the outside and division on the inside, you are not taking advantage of your citizenship in heaven because you're so focused on your citizenship in earth. And I'm here like Paul to encourage you to think differently. You know, a lot of times we have a, one of the words in here means being partisan. We, 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 we get so self-centered, so conceited, so egotistical, so, so, so self-absorbed that the only thought that matters is your own. Have you ever been around those people who are right a lot of the times, but they're never wrong? You ever talk to somebody like that? Never have an adjustment that they can make. They're always promoting something to you and you're thinking, they just love to hear their self talk. Do you, it's, when you think about the presidential elections, you're just thinking, man, you know what's the most disappointing part for me on all sides? Everybody's talking about themselves. Let me tell you about myself. No one is desperate enough to say, you know what? Think about it. I don't even, I don't know if I know about that. They're acting as if we don't know that they don't know everything. Don't you know we know? Don't you know we know you don't know everything? And what you need to do, what would cause fear to leave is when, when the world shows desperation for a source or a king or a citizenship greater than what they have. 
No one's appealing to the greater one, and that's not an indictment against them. I'm wondering, is that the division in the church? Paul in Philippians 1 is trying to say, don't you get it? What can bring us back in order, what can bring us back in alignment is when you're not ashamed of me and you boldly promote the gospel, it's going to cause them to be afraid. What I've been doing is preaching the gospel so boldly that the whole prison guard in Caesar's house, the whole household and everybody, they're being affected by it. What are you preaching? No, I'm not going to say it to you. What are you preaching? Mm -mm. This is the group. What are you preaching? Thank you. Because something else is trying to creep in as pressure from the outside on the church telling you that you need to get another message. You need to ignore your citizenship in heaven, gain your citizenship on earth, and act as if the citizenship here can deliver you from all of the ills and the troubles that are here. But I got news for you. It doesn't matter who wins. You cannot be delivered by man's strength. You cannot be delivered by man's intellect. You cannot be delivered by man's power. You can only be delivered by the power that comes through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So enjoy your citizenship from heaven because it's the only thing that can endure. So, so he said, you know what? Y'all got, we got to stop thinking so much about how we feel. Start getting interested in other people. What happens when you get interested in other people? You start thinking, what can I do for them? And then when you start thinking, what can you do for them? And you think about how the world's citizenship gives you some things, but it's limited. You think, I got to do more than that. If I can feed you, but you're still going to die and go to hell, so what? If I can get you medicine and you're going to die and go to hell, so what? If I can put your family back together temporarily, but you're going to die and go to hell, so what? He said, when I start casting my cares and my interests on others, well, I'm thinking the only thing of real value that I have to offer is Jesus. And what has happened to these Philippians and what has happened to us is we've fallen out of touch with what that looks like. How do I know? I'm, because evangelism is, is down 3% and below. That's the fact that we communicate the good news about who Jesus is. You know that's what your mission is. You know that's not my mission or the mission of the church. If you can find that as you assess the year of 2020 that you had spent very little time preaching the gospel and a whole lot of time talking about who you are as a citizen, something's out of alignment. Now, I, well, you know what I want you, don't want you to hear me say? It does, oh, who you are as a citizen doesn't matter. Like Jesus paid taxes, he honored Caesar, he honored the emperor, you know, it's good. Take advantage of your right to vote. But to leave your, your holy citizenship undone is foolishness. Foolishness. So now Paul's got to put a group of people back together who have succumbed to the mentality on the outside has created division on the inside, and now they're more synonymous with losers than winners. But how could the church be losers? They're the Dodgers. They're the Lakers. They're the winners. They're not the Rays. They're not the Heat. They're the winners. They're the, the Heat is the losers. 
I know you've been trying to figure out how will I know when I won? How will I know when I lost? And he's going to not point to himself in the, in the fifth and sixth verse. He's going to begin to point to, to Christ. Now, now, this is the first clue in verse 5 gives this to us. Read, read verse 5. Say verse 5. Ready? Read. You want to get rid of this stuff? You want to purge your brain of the things that are allowing you to stay in the loser column with anxiety and worry and, 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 and fear that calamity is going to consume you and everybody else? You want to get out of that column? You need a mind change. You need a mind renewed. You need the mind of Christ. You need the word of God. You need the will of God. You need the way of God. You need, and this will produce a worship to God. You need to be saturated with God. And the only reason you're having a problem right now is you're saturated with CNN. You're saturated with Fox News. You're saturated with uh, social media. You can't find good Bible preaching, good Bible teaching. Just even listen to the Bible audio. Do something to get the Word of God in you that you can have a renewed mind. Don't you know it's part of your citizenship? We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we have the power of God. We have all we need that pertains unto life and godliness. So why should you be in the loser column? You're the Dodgers. You're the winners. You're not going to win. You've won. To be in Christ is to walk around with your head held high and your chest poked out and walking with a little pride. You know, yeah, we just won the World Series. No, the Universe Series. We won it all through Christ. Someone has convinced us to sell our inheritance. Somebody has lied on Jesus and made it feel as if he didn't care. He's absent and not available. But let me tell you what Jesus is like. But no, you tell me. Read verse 6 and you, you look, you're at home. It's your moment. Read your Bible out loud. I'm going to say ready, read, and all of us going to read together. It's going to be fun. Ready, read. What you see here is Paul pointing to Jesus' life as the formula of how to live in a secular society. He's showing you how to live as a citizen of another kingdom. He's showing you how to be an ambassador. He's showing you how to be a representative. He's showing you how to eliminate anxiety, fear, and worry because you know who you are in Christ by looking at Christ and doing what he did. And verse, verse six says, even though he was equal to God, even though he was God, pure in essence, pure, there, there was no, he wasn't half God, he was fully God. He didn't 
didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped. In other words, he wasn't here to, to cling to who he was as God who could do whatever he want, whenever he want, however he wanted. The reason that he is taking this humble approach is because he wanted to demonstrate through this union of his God self and his human self, this hypostatic union, he wanted to demonstrate that he could sympathize with us. That he knows how we feel through, a, through personal experience. And he, didn't ha- he took on the form of a servant. He could have took on the highest seat. If I was Jesus and I could do it all over again, I would have made myself Superman without the, the kryptonite to slow me down. No way I'm going to live on this planet without some superpowers. And I'm God? Yeah, you do wrong, I'm going to just I-beam you. But he divested himself. He emptied himself of the ability to avoid the human pains and sufferings of this world. He was a man acquainted with sorrow. He was acquainted with grief. I would have at least made myself the most handsome person on the planet. I would. But the Bible says that there was no comeliness to him, that he was my, that he, he didn't look, he wasn't a good looking man. He looked like, <laughs> I came back, baby, I didn't say it. I just looked at people. <laughs> I would have made myself look good. The Bible says, though he was rich, he became poor. He was rich. And then the Bible says he became poor. My James Lowe verse would have said he was rich and got richer and he was the richest by the time he left here. I'm like, but he, uh, he became poor. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Now this is service and humiliation. If I never did anything wrong, you're not going to get me on TV saying, you know, I just want to say that you put it on me. It's on me. No, the not, human nature said, no, it's on you. It's them. That's how they roll. But Jesus is demonstrating humiliation to hug the dirt, to abase himself, to become like dust, to empty himself of his ability to be omnipresent and omnipotent. He, he had access to whatever he wanted, but he limited himself and he served. Who did he serve? Well, he's giving you and I an example through his humility. He did not serve himself. He did not come up with his own way of doing things, but he modeled for humanity who they're supposed to have allegiance and obedience to. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, because this is what the will of the Father was. He did nothing that he didn't see the Father do or hear the Father say. He fulfilled the will of the Father. He was not here to do what he wanted because at some point he didn't want the pain of the cross. He said, as a human, I don't want that. And no, you got something else? Like dying, beheading, something? I take it all. He said, no, I want, I want a shameful death for you. I want a humiliating death for you. 
I'm not giving you the dignity that Paul had as a citizen of Rome to appeal to Rome and get, get some type of Roman citizen. He, Jesus didn't have an appeal. He was treated as a criminal or as a slave, someone without rights. He, he was crucified, some would say naked or definitely with very little on. And having to die the death of a criminal when you did nothing wrong. I'd be screaming all the way. You don't want me on the cross for you. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, y'all. Hey, don't you hear me? I didn't do it. Somebody get the video. (laughs) You see, You got to know how great your salvation is. It was a shame. No Roman citizen actually died on a cross. You can see Jesus' humiliation and his humble disposition doesn't even allow him to try to appeal to get a reprieve. A lot of us have our trust in the social system, the governing structure, to the degree that we lean on it more than God's structure. But God, in the moment of his hour, is leaning on what his Lord wants, and he wants him to be obedient unto death, the death of the cross. So how did he make it? The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He had joy about me, joy about you, hearing the good news about him, and knowing that you have a Savior who will redeem you, set you free, and raise you up on high. He thought about you. He thought about me. I don't know if you forgot that moment that Jesus rescues you out of the pit, the mire, and the mud. That moment when you were full of iniquity, you were full of sin, you were full of lust, you were full of lying, you were full of deceit, and you had no hope, no hope of getting out, but God came rich in mercy, rich in love. He, 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 he saved you. That's the joy. That joy was you. The joy was me. Not in our broken state, but he's seen you in your redeemed state. Then he tells us something interesting, Pastor Bruce. He says, James, take up your cross daily and follow me. Remember, Paul is giving us a picture of the life he lives through showing us the life in the way that Christ lived. He said, you need to take up your cross every day. When's the last time you took up your cross? When's the last time you you died to yourself? When's the last time you chose the gospel over your preference, the gospel over your party, the gospel over your issue, the gospel over your post, the gospel over your ethnicity? Well, that's just um, as an African-American, it's just a time for the African-Americans to rise. No, it's the time for us to humble ourselves. See, when you humble yourself, you're not counting on the world system to raise you up. When you humble yourself, you're not waiting on laws and standards and principles to change because you've transcended the earthly citizenship. You have a heavenly citizenship that gives you a rule. If you humble yourself, you shall also be exalted. Why should I overly concern myself with the way man does? Yes, I'm going to be responsible. Yes, you vote. Yes, you participate. But I don't put my hope in the world. I put my hope in God. 
Here's the proof. Read verse 9. You're going to like verse 9. Read it out loud. Read it, read it, read it. Ready? Read. Because of his humiliation, he gets exaltation. Because he was obedient unto death on the cross, God said, all right, I'm going to elevate him. And I'm going to start by giving him a name that's above every name. Now, he already has a name that he got from birth, which means salvation. He already has a name. He says, no other name given whereby men can be saved except the name Jesus. It would seem as if there's a redundancy here, but it's not. It's a reward when he's showing you the pattern. He said, I'm going to show you that even our God can take on the likeness of sinful flesh and humble myself and there's a reward. I get exalted and I get bestowed a name that's above every name. This name is Lord. This name is supreme. This name means everyone else is beneath this name. And if you want anything from God, you need that name. He used to be called just the son of man or the son of God. Now this is his kingship. This is his authority. This is his right to fully rule and reign. He wasn't just using his status as God in the flesh. He used his humility of his life to produce for you and me a new and living way and a pattern. That when you humble yourself, you get exalted. Just as he was raised from the dead, we get to be raised from the dead. Just as he ascended on high, we're going to ascend it on high. Just like he was given a place of authority and a seat by the Father, we're going to be seated with him in heavenly places. And just like he had authority given to him, we have authority given to us through Jesus Christ. And now, you know what? Oh, but thank you, Holy Ghost. You know the thing I like the most, though? This is deep. Well, I shouldn't say it's deep. It's deep to me. He said he also made him a high priest. And he's at the right hand of God the Father, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He never forgets the mission that brings us together and not apart. His exaltation. And finally, these last, this, read this last part because I believe it, it, it brings us to a, 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 a crescendo here. Ready? Read. From humiliation, I didn't see this till now, by the way, just from humiliation to exaltation to full adoration. Oh, Jesus. We're supposed to be worshiping him. There's no way you can look into the steadfast lifestyle of this Lord and Savior. There's no way that you can actually participate in who he was as a humble, a humble servant and not see him exalted and adore him. We need to learn something from those who are under the earth, who still back up and call him Lord. 
We need to learn something from those who are in heaven. The who are in heaven, the saints that have gone before us, the angels, you know what they're doing with their positions? They're casting their crowns down. They're getting off of their thrones. They're, they're worshiping at his feet. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. He, he, he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of power. What they're doing is worshiping him. What if I told you that we get to join in as citizens of heaven with that level of worship and adoration? You don't have to, you don't, if, you wor- if you've been worried, I don't want this. Look, I'm just going to set you free. If you're a part of that 75% who think the world is going to be bad after the election, get out of that. Your world became good the moment that you were introduced to Jesus Christ. You became a winner the moment you were introduced to Jesus Christ. You became a unifier the moment that you preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you surrendered to his name as Lord, you you became everything. You got everything that pertained unto life and godliness. There is comfort. There is love. There is mercy. There is bounds of peace because of Christ. You don't need anything else. So, President Trump, may you win. Vice President Biden, may you win. It doesn't matter to matter to me because he has won. He has won. So don't put your hope in earthly things which will fade away. Don't put your hope in men who will make mistakes. Don't put your hope in laws that have been fashioned by the will of man instead of the will of God. Put your hope and trust in Jesus and him alone and he'll raise you up to be a difference maker. He'll raise you up to preach the kingdom of God. Stand to your feet and give God praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. You're not merchandise of the devil. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. You're not losers. You're not losers. You're winners. You win. Remember that anxiety we talked about in the beginning of this message? Fear of the future? Throw it behind you. He already secured your future. You're here on this planet. So people who don't know what you know, don't have what you have, can know what you know about Christ and have what you have in Christ. That's what you're here for. This election season is not the most terrible thing to happen. It's not the most polarized time. The most tragic thing would be if the body of believers didn't see it as an opportunity to preach the good news until the household of Caesar, who think they have us prisoner, are afraid. And they respond. If God be for you, who could be against you? Don't be afraid to speak in your workplace about who you are as a Christian. Don't be afraid to speak in your school of who you are as a Christian. Don't be afraid to post who you are as a Christian. Who can make you ashamed? I don't want to say I'm a Christian because, you know, people, you know, the evangelical. Remember I told you, you are an evangelical. And even if you call yourself something else, you are part of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. So stop separating yourself. I'm not like them people. No, we all those people. With all of their foibles, with all of their problems, that was the division that the world caused to try to come into the Philippi church. We keep it out. You don't have to be perfect. You have to get a revelation.
Now, yes, Lord, Holy Ghost, I hear you. I'm sure it's for some people in here, but also even if you're watching online, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's the name that's above every name, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Some of you need to make that confession because the world has been pulling you apart and you didn't know that Christ had the answer. He is the answer. He's the name above every name. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the president of my life. I don't have to claim something lower when I've claimed the higher. So whatever your fear has been, Jesus Christ eliminates it. The second group. You realize that you've been under the trick that the Philippian church was under. They were under the trick of forgetting their purpose, which was to preach the gospel. They forgot. And division came in. And in Paul's weakest moment, he pushed them to a story about the Savior's humiliation to exaltation. Yeah, I feel by the Holy Ghost. Some of you are going to need to come and some of you online, you need to kneel at your home in humiliation before the Lord because you have taken on the posture of being Lord of your life or letting someone else Lord over your life. And you need to reestablish his Lordship in your life. But the promise is if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. Do not be ashamed today in your home or in this place to humble yourself. I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to pray for you. And if you online or you in here just need to come for whatever reason to humble yourself before the Lord, I want you to get out of your seat through the power of God. And I want you to come and humble yourself as an act of faith. And God's going to raise you up in this season. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone here. God, before this moment, they may have perceived they may have perceived that they know you, but now they know that they haven't. If there's someone listening right now who doesn't have Christ as Lord of their life, I pray that they will surrender and publicly confess him. Lord, there's a second group I want to pray for. I pray in the name of Jesus there'll be confidence and bravery to trade in fear, anxiety, and worry about this world. Trade it in for an assignment of obedience to the Lord, the name above every name, Jesus, that they're surrendering their, 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 their profiles, their, their way of thinking and doing things, and they're interested in what you're doing. God, I pray that they would have the ability to come, whether they're home on their knees or home or here kneeling at the altar. So I break the power of Satan over every person to hold the scheme of the devil keeping you in your mind or your body. Be free in Jesus' name. Come wherever you're at as we worship. What a beautiful come. name it is. Come, come, come. Be what a beautiful name it is. I believe it was no accident that you were here today. That you participating, let God speak to you through this service will not only make a difference in your life, but also in the lives of those around you. Throughout the week, my faith is encouraged daily through our social media channels our church uses. If you want to stay encouraged, you can connect with us on Instagram at Bethel World 
or on Facebook at Bethel World Outreach Church. If you need prayer for anything, scan the QR code that's on the screen with your phone, and that'll take you to a page where you can get prayed for by a pastor or ministry team member. You being here made a difference. Thank you for joining us as together we're reaching a city to touch the world.